0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Knowing God, Part 4. Enjoy. Jesus, we love you so much. We've got nothing better to do than to fellowship with you. We put our cares aside. We put all of the projects and the, the to-do lists, the things that we're concerned about, future endeavors decisions we need to make, we take every single one of them and we place them all in your hands. You are capable. You are able. Where we fall short, you make up the difference. And we thank you, Lord, for accomplishing the things that concern us and working all things out for our good. We give you our whole selves every detail and project and situation and circumstance every hope and every dream every desire to you and lord we rejoice for your will abundant life done in our lives just as it is in heaven in jesus name amen back in july before we left For the conference, we started a series here called, very simply, Knowing God. Knowing God. God wants you to personally taste and experience him every day of your life. He wants this constant fellowship with you. You can't get that through religion. It comes through simple faith in who Jesus is what he's done for you, and who you've become through faith in him. So that's what we've been talking about. And we said in our first message that knowing about God will not transform your life. Knowing about God will not bring answers into your life. Knowing God will. Having a personal relationship with him will. We know that Jesus did not come so that we could be in heaven someday. He came so that heaven could be in us every day. Religion says that you can't know God, that it's presumptuous to think that you could be sure of the will of God for your life, that you could know and be sure and be certain of the plans and purpose and will of God for your life. Yet Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Jesus revealed the will of God to us. How is it that so many in the church have, have not been taught that? They've been told that God moves in mysterious ways, and you never know what God is going to do. Now, if Jesus hadn't come, I guess we could say that. But Jesus revealed to us the ways of God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. In message number two, we said that to know God is to be sure to be certain of his nature. In other words, you're sure and you're certain of how he will respond to you. There's no doubt about it. How will God respond to you when you come to him? Do you know? Jesus answered that for us. He revealed God's response to us. You remember the man, Luke says, who was full of leprosy? And he came to Jesus and he said, If you will, you can make me clean. Why did he ask that question? He wasn't sure of the nature of God. Do you know there are many believers that are still asking that question today? Yet Jesus answered it very clearly. He said, I will be clean His answer is the same for you. It's God's will for you to be healthy. It's God's will will for you to enjoy health for the rest of your life. How do we know that? Well, we said in message number two that if you want to become sure of how God will respond to you, there's two things you got to study in the Bible. And, oh, I'm so excited. I got a new Bible down at the conference. I wasn't planning on it. My Bible is... Literally, uh, the cover fell off and it's kind of falling apart. And we were, we were at the bookstore there and I was looking through and I, I, I was so excited. I said, okay, I'll get one. And it doesn't have all my marks in it yet. So. But, but, but in the Bible, you've got to have one of these. Do you have one of these hard copy Bibles? Great to have one on your phone and your iPad, but those are good really just to kind of grab a verse here and there and maybe do a little bit of quick reading, but to really study the scriptures, to really know the nature of God, you want to have a hard copy Bible. Why? Because you can just see so much more at a glance, right? You can see so much more. So, But what do you study in the Bible? How do you read this thing? I mean, it's, it's a big book right there are two things you need to study two areas you need to study in the bible and get a hard copy bible if you want to become sure of god's response to you what's the first one remember jesus right not my version of jesus not your version of jesus but the actual version of jesus that's recorded in the scriptures in matthew mark luke john and acts where do you find those in the Bible? first five books of the new testament right so no other human being has more physical manuscripts to validate to legitimize what he did than jesus thousands 20 some thousand manuscripts to verify the gospels isn't that amazing so when you're reading through the bible study jesus what did hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 say He's the exact representation of God's nature. When you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you're seeing God's response to man. You will never once see Jesus say, well, my father brought that sickness into your life to teach you humility. That's that's an idea from, from darkness, from spiritual forces of darkness that many ministers have taught. But you won't find Jesus saying, go with Jesus. Don't go with ministers. Go with Jesus. I'm serious. Don't believe something because a pastor told you something. Stick with Jesus. We're supposed to be telling what Jesus said. We should not vary from what he said. If we vary from what he said, we're missing it. So at Highway Church, we don't base what we believe about ourselves or God on what we've been through on our circumstances we base what we believe about God on the person and ministry of Jesus as recorded in the Bible very important because all of us have experienced things in our lives that were not the will of God for us why we're living in a fallen world Satan is the God of this world and God is not controlling everything in the world you hear this a lot at highway church right it needs to be said People are taught that God's in control of everything because he's sovereign. The Bible doesn't teach that. God is sovereign. His his sovereignty is defined as being above all. But he gave control of the earth to man. Man gave control to Satan. Satan seized it. And Satan became the God of this world. So the will of God, this is so important to know, it will not automatically happen in your life. And so many people are waiting on God and they get discouraged because they don't see it happening because they haven't learned, it's not automatic. You've got to grab a hold of it with your whole being. You've got to believe it. You've got to speak it over your life. You've got to believe it in your heart. It's not going to happen any other way. Okay? We have a big part to play in the will of God happening in our lives. Okay? So the first area, if you want to be sure of God's nature, is to study Jesus in the Scriptures. The second area you want to study, do you remember? It's been like three weeks now, I think the promises of god so two things that we study in our bibles jesus the person and ministry of jesus and the promises of god why the promises of god because god's nature is revealed in his promises second peter chapter 1 verse 4 that says through his precious and magnificent promises we become partakers of his nature Okay? So many people read their Bible. But they don't know how to read their Bible. They don't know what to look for. There's a lot of stuff in here. There's some pretty dark things in here that people did, that Satan did and that people did. Right? There's some crazy stuff in here. But it's all true. God didn't try and hide anything from us. He wants us to understand how we're made, to understand what's going on in the world, and to understand his will and nature. Okay? So there are two areas that we study to become sure of God's response to us. It's the person and ministry of Jesus and the promises of God. That was message number two. Message number three, we said a real, a real relationship with God will transform your life from the inside out, okay? And let's, let's hit a little bit more on that, and then we'll get into mess, uh, point number four. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2. When you're in a relationship with God, and you can come to church seven days a week and not be in a relationship with Him, you can be in a relationship with tradition, with your family history, and it it won't transform you. You'll keep doing the same things over and over again, and you'll never taste and experience the real Jesus. When you're in a real relationship with the real Jesus, you will be changed from the inside out. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world. Remember what conformed is. That's when your behavior is determined by what man thinks. (laughs) Yeah, when your behavior is determined by fear of man. That's being conformed. Right? Pressure from the outside causes you to act a certain way. Don't do that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed is when you're changed from the inside out. It's when the life of Christ in you is, is set free to mold and shape and change you. How does that happen? By changing the way we think. Okay? In other words, replacing your thoughts with God thoughts. Regardless of how much education you feel you have or what your IQ is, your thoughts will never get you there man has become very arrogant, haven't they? Right? You can't progress beyond Jesus. (laughs) There's no way. Right? We've just begun to discover how good he is. Right? So we're changed from the inside out when we exchange our thoughts with God's thoughts. Right? That you may prove God wants you to know for sure his will for your life. Oh, religion hates this conversation. It's just say, hey, be sure and certain of God's will for your life. How dare you talk like that? God wants you to be sure. He wants you to, to, to be able to prove his love for you, to yourself and to others. What is that? What does it say? Good, right? So God's will is what? Good, right? God's thoughts for you are good, right? That what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pull that up in the message. We'll start with verse 1. I like the message translation of this verse as well. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life. I like that. Right? We're fellowshipping with Jesus every day. Right? Everywhere we go. When we're shopping, when we're eating lunch, when we're cleaning our pantry, when we're looking under the bed for that missing sock. Right? We're fellowshipping with Jesus. Right? You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. I like that. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Now verse 2. Don't become so well adjusted. Let's go back to verse 1 for a second. Look at that. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Churches should talk about what God has done for us, right? Because he did it so that we could experience it, right? It's pleasing to God when we receive healing, when we believe his son bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Embracing what he's done for you is the best thing you can do for him. It pleases God when we resist condemnation. And we believe that we've been justified by faith in Christ. That we've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It pleases God when we're believing for the fruit of our recreated spirit to grow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's The best thing you can do for God is to receive what he's done for you. God hasn't called us to achieve. He's called us to receive. Verse number two. That's a humble position, isn't it? The flesh wants to take credit for everything. I'm going to go out and conquer the world. You can't. You can't do it. If you could conquer the world, Jesus wouldn't need to come. Right? If you could do what he did, then he wouldn't have had to come, but he did it. And he gets all the glory for it. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention. Who, who fixes our attention? We do, right? Who changes the channel on your TV? We do, right? Who determines what you think about? You do, right? It's, it, we've got we've to realize this. It's not on God. We've got, we've got to take control of our thought life. God cannot do this for you. He's given you the free will to do this, right? Instead, fix your attention. Put your channel on God. Don't take it off, right? Right? You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Yes. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen. I like that. Now, what, really, what is this verse one and two it's an invitation isn't it to know god you'll find throughout the scriptures old and new testament god the maker of heaven and earth is not foreboding and putting up his hand to keep you from coming to him it's the opposite he's inviting us over and over again to come to him to think like he thinks to talk like he talks, to live like he lives. Let's look at a few more scriptures on the thoughts of God. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. Let's start in verse 1. Ho, hey, ho, hey. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come. That's an invitation, right? You see that? I'm saying that because many have taught these scriptures as God putting up a wall saying, you'll never think like I think. You'll never understand my will for your life. But if you read it, it's the opposite. It's an invitation. In fact, I think I counted seven invitations in this verse. Come, there's one, right? To the waters. That sounds like Jesus, right? Come to me. And he stood up, it was the festival of booze, and he said, He who believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he that hath no money, come. There's number two, second time. Buy and eat. Yea, come. Three. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. How can you have the things of God without any cost to you? Because Jesus paid the price, right? Jesus paid the price for every blessing of God. Every promise of God, it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, has been stamped with God's big fat yes because of Jesus. Amen. Every promise. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus, and they become reality as we say so be it in our lives. Right? Are you awake? It's good. I want to jump up and down a little bit. I'm getting excited. Verse 2. So three invitations in verse 1. Wherefore, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Right? Why do you expend uh, the fruit of your labor for the stuff that's really not going to give you life? And your labor for that which satisfies not. Here's the fourth invitation. Hearken diligently. In the Hebrew, it says, listen, listen. <laughs> why? Because he's always speaking. He wants to communicate with you regularly. Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is what? Good. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's not. Right? Isn't that simple? Religion got that all whacked out. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's not. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. We don't use that term anymore. What's that mean? Abundance right, more than enough, gleaming health and provision, right, incline, there's another one, so what's that, five, six, incline your ear and come unto me Hear, and your soul shall live, so we really have to make some decisions, don't we? right? It's on us. We've got to choose him. He paid the price, but we've got to fix our attention on him, study Jesus in the scriptures, learn the promises of God, and, and, and meditate on them, right? Or it's not going to happen. Don't wait on God to do something in your life. He's already done everything you need. Grab a hold of what he's done and speak it over your life. Well, let's jump to verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. There we're talking about thoughts now, right? And let him return unto the Lord and God will punish him. God will condemn him and injure him and make him sick. Ah, It's not in the Bible. Look, Look at the response God has to people. What's God's response to wicked people? He has mercy on them. Don't you ever believe when you hear a minister or anyone else say, because such and such tragedy happened, that was God's judgment. God poured every ounce of judgment he had on his son for sin. God completely judged sin on his son in hell. He doesn't have a drop left for you. He's not the author of tornadoes and tsunamis. That's because the curse of sin is upon the earth and the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God isn't judging you. God is not looking to punish the wicked. He has mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You know, if the church would preach the nature of God, you'd find a lot more wicked people coming in. There are a lot of people that are afraid to come to church because what they've heard preached in churches is condemnation. And sin consciousness instead of the justification of Christ and the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't uh, overlook sin. The grace of God paid for sin. And the grace of God in us empowers us to live free from sin. Right? The grace of God is God's nature free in us. Right? His love, His joy, His peace, His self control gaining the ascendancy in us. So he says he will have mercy, he'll abundantly pardon. Why will he do this? Next verse. Because or for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Wow. Right? Neither are my ways your ways. You'll be shocked when you realize how good God is. You will. You'll be absolutely stunned. When you begin to discover how kind, how merciful, and how gracious He really is. I was, and sometimes I still am. I was given a very different picture of God growing up. And then I started studying Jesus, and I thought, who is this? This is not the one I was told about. He's kind, He's merciful, He's gracious. Now... Let's, we're going to read verse uh, 9 as well. Before we do, let's get some more verses on the thoughts of God, then we'll finish Isaiah. Here's some more about God's thoughts. Remember, we're transformed by replacing our thoughts with God's thoughts. God's thoughts, right? God's thoughts are good, right? I, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. You lousy failure. How many times are you going to make that same mistake over and over again? I've had it with you. Before you come back to me, you're going to have to get this right and get that right. You're going to have to clean yourself up. You're going to have to stop doing. Are those the thoughts of God? No. Where are those thoughts from? Sure. The condemner, right? Satan. My thoughts that I have towards you are thoughts of shalom. In the Hebrew. Wholeness. One translation says, to prosper you is shalom. Thoughts of well-being, thoughts of prosperity. Every thought that God has for you is a thought of shalom. Didn't he just say that? Is that true for some of us and not others? It's true for everybody. For God so loved the Word, right? We know the nature of God by studying Jesus. Jesus said that, right? Thoughts of shalom, wholeness and well-being and prosperity, not of evil. How could you ever think that God would have an evil thought about you? Who told you that? Yeah. To give you an expected end. One translation says, uh, how does it say it? Um, The life you've hoped for. Something like that. I think it's a message. To give you the, the life you've hoped for. Psalm 139, looking at the thoughts of God. This can be shocking, huh? How precious, the psalmist says, are your thoughts unto me? Because they condemn me and, and make me sick and... No. no? How great is the sum. Would they be precious if, if those were God's thoughts? They would be evil, wouldn't they? Right. right? If a father wanted to make his child sick, that would be evil, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right. yeah right? How great, how great. Is a sum. Now look at this. If I should count them, verse 18, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. What are God's thoughts toward you? We read it in Jeremiah 29 11. Prosperity, wholeness, healing, well being. That's what he thinks of you, right? All right, let's go back to Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm so glad. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you see that's an invitation to come up higher now? That's exactly what that is. He's saying, come and think like I think and let me take you higher. Let me bring you into a realm of life that my son came to give you. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. More and better life than you've dreamed of. I think it's the message of the New Living Translation says. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. When you make a decision to replace your thoughts with God's thoughts, you will be transformed on the inside. And when you choose to make God's thoughts the authority of your mind, the final say, The umpire of your mind, the judge of your mind, if I have a bad thought, it's not allowed in my mind for one moment. And they come into all of our minds, right? Just like radio frequencies are flowing through the air, there's bad thoughts flowing through the air, right? If it comes into my mind, it's not allowed to stay there, right? You say the same thing of your own mind. You control this. Don't let anyone else control it. When you bring your mind under the authority of God's thoughts, it will unlock the kingdom of God inside of you. The kingdom of God will begin to manifest in your life. God's just waiting for us to believe. He's just, come on, just just take me at my word. Be like the centurion that said, just speak the word and my servant will be well. All I need to know is that you've said it and I've got everything I need. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love it. Hallelujah. All right. We'll get into a little bit of point number four and we'll finish up. So a real relationship with God will transform your life from the inside out and that happens by re- exchanging our thoughts with his thoughts. A real relationship with God will inspire you will fill you with joy and peace will empower you to follow him you got your seatbelts on right religious goggles are off right religious earbuds are out are you ready we're putting it in fifth gear and we're going all the way with jesus we can't quit it's not an option He's our everything, and we're giving him everything we've got. All right? So when you're in a real relationship with God, you will be powerfully motivated to follow him. Following him will become the focus of your every thought. It will become the focus and foundation of every decision you make. I love fresh, hot Jesus. Let's look at this. Jesus started his ministry by inviting people to follow him. Well, let's start in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Get everything God has for you this morning. Go home different. Go home with a greater revelation of Christ. The more you see him, the better your life will become. The more joy you'll have. The more strength you'll have. Jesus is our joy and our strength. You know he's the answer to depression? Come on. Yeah, right. okay. yes. John chapter 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I remember someone I know sharing with me who was going through depression that one of the prescriptions the doctor gave this person was to sit in front of a light, a special kind of light. Depression is darkness, isn't it? Right? Oftentimes when people are depressed, they want the blinds to be pulled down. They want to get under their covers. They want to shut the door. What is that? That's oppression. That's satanic oppression trying to shut you down. Jesus is the answer to that. Okay. Just forget thinking about how you feel. What's gone on in your life and begin to worship him. Jesus, you are the reason I live. In you I live and move and have my being. I give my whole self to you and I give you glory and praise. And I worship you and I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to allow darkness reign in my life anymore. I choose to have joy. I choose to have peace. I choose to let your love be shed abroad in my heart. So he who follows him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Let's talk about this word follow. You got, at Highway Church, you remember, underneath your seat, you'll find a can of dereligification spray. So let's pick that up. Let's spray that word follow. Okay, ready? Okay. What's the word follow me? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Here's some definitions. To go the same way. He who goes the same way as me will have the light of life. It means to be on the same path. It means to pay close attention to. He who pays close attention to me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It means to understand the tendency of the nature. He who understands the nature of me. Ooh, is that good, huh? He who understands my nature will not walk in darkness, but will walk and live in the light of life. It means to practice. We practice Jesus. It means to keep track of and stick to. It means to step into someone's shoes. Do you know that your primary reason for being on earth is to carry on the ministry of Jesus? Who said that? Where's that at? John 14, 12 through 14. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. It's his desire that he would be reproduced in us, right? And then the last one, it means to imitate. He who imitates me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. I did a little etymology a study of the word imitate and it, it's related to the word image it means to copy the image of I like that and, and Colossians 1.15 says Jesus is the image of the invisible God right? so Jesus is imitating the Father we're imitating Jesus right? and what happens is Christ is revealed in us the image of Christ comes to the surface in our lives. If we'll keep our attention on Jesus, the image of Christ will come to the surface in our lives. He who follows me. Isn't this good? Yes. God desires for the nature of his Son to gain the ascendancy in our lives. In fact, that is, I would say, the primary purpose of what's known as the five-fold ministry in the scriptures, in Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is so that the, the uh, image of Christ can be formed in us. That's, that's probably the main reason we're here this morning, is so that you can experience Jesus, so that who he is can show up in your life through the study and preaching of his word. Let's look at this in Galatians 4.19. He who follows me, who pays close attention. So what about he who doesn't pay close attention to Jesus? Will they walk in light or darkness? Darkness. What if they come to church? Doesn't matter. Right? You, don't, you can be in church and not be paying attention to Jesus. Right? right? You could be thinking about the preacher's t-shirt. Right? Right? Or, <laughs> right? or, or whatever, the color of the floor or the ceiling fans or, right so this is conditional right god's done everything he could do but we have to choose to pay attention to him and everyone can pay attention this is something anyone can do don't let anyone tell you differently it's available to you through simple faith so look at this this calling upon apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers in galatians 4 19 and this is the apostle paul and you know that those those callings are still in effect right there are apostles today, just like there were in Paul's day. There are prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Somewhere along the line, uh, some, some uh, religious minds bought the lie that those stopped back in, in uh, Paul's day. No, there are apostles today. You need apostles in your life. How do you recognize apostles? Right here. For my little, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. This is how you recognize those in the, in the fivefold. Now, you can have this calling on your life and, and your character not be Christ-like. That doesn't negate the calling, but these callings are valid. And when someone steps into this calling and begins to follow it and, and get their character in line, this becomes a priority to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that Christ be formed in you. That's why we're not interested in being seeker friendly. That's become a misnomer, right? Where, 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 where churches are so concerned about 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 um, everything, you know, being just so, so that no one gets offended. How do you how do you do that? People get offended at at the color of of the the iced tea you're drinking or whatever. I mean, you know, I, funny, this Bible, I, I was going to get a black one. This one's burgundy. And I remember, this is Billy Graham on my shirt here. It says, bold like Billy. But, you know, one of the things he was criticized for? The Bible he preached from was red <laughs> instead of black. <laughs> Amazing how religious minds can get, right? The religi- religious minds are looking for any reason to disqualify you, yes. Right? That pastor's preaching in high tops with a t-shirt. <laughs> so this is, this is my, this I, I'm relating. Let me read this to you out of the uh, New Living Translation. Put that up there, Galatians 4.19. I, I get this because this is a part of my calling. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully develop, developed in your lives. That's what I think about when we're together. If you call me on the phone, this is what I'm thinking about. We, for everything we do, all of the technology that we use, everything we have, all the plans that we have for getting our own facility, starting it, it's all about this, seeing Christ fully developed in people. Amen. Amen. Now, who's this written to? Believers. This is written to people who are born again. So this isn't automatic just because you your spirit's been born again, right? That moment, that event when that happens is the greatest miracle of all. When you put your faith in Christ, your spirit is born again. But realizing what's gone on inside of you is a process. So we're not coming here to punch a car and get our ticket and go to heaven. We're coming here so that Christ be fully formed in us. And listen, this is not pleasant sometimes. And it's amazing the things I've seen being in full-time ministry for almost 20 years. The challenges. Because you have to say things to people sometimes they don't want to hear. You can tell when your flesh rises up and you want to defend yourself, you know the Holy Spirit's moving. Embrace godly change. Reject negative change. Godly change brings Christ out in you. Okay. Ungodly change causes your flesh to rise up yeah. and want to get even and want to hold something against someone and not be told what to do. Right? One of the best ways that you can be transformed is to say yes to Jesus. And one of the best ways, and I'll just, I'm just letting in you on some inside stuff here, as far as a leader or a, a pastor or an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, one of the things you look for in someone is how do they respond when you say no to them? It's easy to shout and sing when someone says yes to you. But when they say no, that reveals spiritual maturity or the lack thereof. If someone pouts and cries and throws a fit, there's, there's some issues inside that they're not aware of. Right? So the primary thing we're looking for here is attitude. Right? Do you, are they all in? Can they handle no? Are they, are they running after Jesus with everything they've got? When you're running after Jesus with everything you've got, no doesn't bother you. I didn't plan on saying any of this. I love in the Holy Spirit. This is good. We're, we're changing our focus, right? We're on earth for Christ to be fully formed in us. This is written to believers. They were being taught by the Apostle Paul and it wasn't automatic, right? They had to choose to, to remove ungodly thoughts from their mind and put godly thoughts in to put down ungodly reactions and react in a god way right to imitate jesus is to respond the way he would respond in situations right so we have this mind of christ now right this is our goal this is what we're all about so good christ fully developed in us hallelujah It's the most natural thing in the world for a child to imitate their parents. It just comes with being a child. God is your Father. 1 John 3.1. Let's put that up there. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. So we keep our attention on Him and we imitate him right and that comes out in our interactions with one another right our goal is to respond to each other as he responds to us we mess up sometimes but that's our focus right all right we've got time for just a few more and then we'll be done so jesus begins his ministry by inviting people to imitate him Isn't that awesome? Look at this. In in Matthew chapter 4, let's look at some more Jesus. Can you eat some more, Jesus? Isn't it good? Come on, let go of every offense and just take a big bite of Jesus. Let go of tradition and take a big bite of Jesus. You'll be so glad you did. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. These weren't guys on an afternoon taking a break. This was their profession. They had a family business. They were commercial fishermen. Okay? And look what he says to them. Imitate me. Follow me. Pay close attention to me. Understand my nature. Stick to me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Now look what they did. Verse 20, they immediately left their occupation, their family business, and followed him. Are you willing to do that? you willing to walk away from a family business or an occupation that you have to follow Jesus? Every one of us should be. Doesn't mean we have to. But if he asks you, would you do that? Would you embrace a future that he has for you that is, that is unfamiliar to you? If you've been a commercial fisherman for 20 years and your dad did it and his dad and his dad. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 19. It says when he had gone a little further from there he saw James, a son of Zebedee. I like that name, Zebedee. It's Fun to say. And John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. Guess what? They were commercial fishermen. And immediately he called them And they left their father Zebedee. Wow. And John, excuse me, left their father in the boat with the hired servants. Yeah, that's the right verse. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after Jesus. That's following him. You leave everything. Nothing is precious to us. Compared to following him. Nothing. You doing okay? Luke chapter 5. We don't have time to go through the first 10 verses. But you'll see that Jesus uh reveals himself to them. They're, they're in the midst of a business project. They're fishing and the project's going lousy. They haven't caught anything and Jesus tells them to let down their nets and it declares that they, they take him at his word and they bring up their nets and their nets begin to break. They call other ships to come over and all the ships begin to sink because of the, the catch, the fish that are in their nets. Jesus prospered them by listening to his word and he'll do the same for you in your business if you'll take him at his word. He'll bring more fish in than you can carry. Wasn't that prosperity to a fisherman? To have, to have so many fish, your, 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 your nets running over, right? That, that's, that's money, hello, right? You bring that into the market and what do you do with it? You sell it and you make profit. God wants you to profit in your business. Why would he want anything else unless he's not a good father, right? He wants you to prosper. He thinks about how you can profit in your business. He has ideas for your business. He'll coach you in your business. But they might be a little different than what you hear from the world. But take him at his word and follow him. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. The King James says they forsook all. Luke 5, 27 Just a little further down in the chapter. It says, and after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. This was his profession. In fact, the tax collectors, the historians say back in the day, the Jewish tax collectors were thought of as corrupt because they had a little deal with the Romans, right? Where they were making profit off of their countrymen by collecting more than what was due. So this is not uh, necessarily a reputable man. This could even be thought of as a traitor to the nation of, of, of Jesus, the Jewish nation. Levi, sitting in his tax booth, he said, follow me. And look what Levi does. He gets up, next verse, he leaves everything, and he follows him. And as I was praying this week, I really felt that this was for somebody It's time to leave everything and follow Him. If you're not careful, you can get caught up in the American dream. You know, God is not from America. I love America. It was my privilege to serve our nation in active duty for six years. But God's not from America. He's from heaven. And the American dream falls way short of His dream. And, and I'm not trying to, to fault anyone, but I grew up in a family where they told me I had to go a certain path. They didn't know him. They didn't know the things we're sharing. But they basically said, this is the path you have to take. But I didn't know Jesus, but in my heart, it just didn't sit right. There's something just not right with this. I, I can't go that way. So uh, often people tell you, you got to do this. If you want to be successful, you've got to Go to this school and get this, this formal education. And the best education you can ever get is to walk with Christ every day. Amen. He will train you. He will prepare you to be successful in what he's called you to do. So there's this model that's portrayed to young people as, okay, you know, you've got to grow up. You've got to go to college. You've got to get a degree. You've got to choose a field that has jobs. <laughs> that's my response to that. You've got to follow Jesus. If the Lord leads you to go into a certain field, go into that. Don't go into it because there's jobs. Because guess what? In 10 years, those jobs may not be there. Things change. Industries change. People learned that the hard way throughout the, the 1900s, right? Industry changes. Jobs are changing regularly. So our security is in following Christ, not the advice of men, right? We doing Okay. So what's Jesus asking you to to walk away from? Let's ask him. Father, we come before you this morning and we drop everything. And we say, show us your plan. No matter what season of life we're in, we drop everything. And we realize our time on this earth is for one purpose only, and that's to know you to follow and become everything you've purposed for us to be. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to those listening on Facebook that would hear this podcast through the internet, to to those of us who are here in this place. Lord, speak to our hearts. Is there anything you're asking us to do? Is there anything you're asking us to let go of so that we can follow you more closely? You speak, Lord. It's our pleasure to say yes to you. Dana, if you could put up Ephesians 2:10 there, see, this is God's dream. It says, "For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. This is our perspective of life now. this is our worldview, right? Not the American dream, this recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living what kind of life? The good life, which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. There's your destiny. There's the reason that you came into this earth right there. And you'll never be truly satisfied till you're walking on that path. And you know it. You're sure and certain of it. Hallelujah. Thanks for this time together, Lord. You're so gracious to us. Lord, what you've done to make this possible is amazing to me what you do when we gather here on Sundays and in get-togethers. It's just amazing what you're revealing to us. We count it precious. We will not let this be stolen from us. We will not let the seed of your word be robbed from us. We're not ignorant of Satan's schemes. He comes to try and steal the seed of your word immediately after it's sown. We're not going to let that happen. We're going to grab a hole of who you are and never let go. Thank you, Lord. We drop everything and we follow you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life